got a big show planned. Listen, we moved some things around, and we are going to get to it. A very exciting. We have a local artist coming in, Anna Dominguez. You may have heard of her as the Queen of Tape. She is going to join us. She has a very special uh, project that is going to be released in the next couple of weeks, so we will talk to her. We will also talk after 6 o'clock to Micah Meyer, who uh, you may remember was on the program with us a few years ago. He had a very incredible journey that he was on. That journey has come to an end, so we will get an update from Micah on that. And then, because Teacher Appreciation Week starts tomorrow, we will recall our favorite teachers uh, after 6.30 and get to all of that. So, uh, big, big program. Always more fun when you're involved. 312-981-7200. That's the number. When you call in, you'll be talking to Cody. Yes, I finally decided to come back golf. He is the executive producer from Rockford, Illinois, and uh, points to and fro because uh, he's been gone for the last two weeks, and he's decided to come back. Thank goodness. So Cody's here. If you're nice to him, you get to me. That's how it works. You want to keep in touch with us via social media, Facebook, Twitter. It's Brian Noonan Show. And uh, the text number is the same as the phone number, 312-981-7200. All right. Big weekend. Uh, I was body shamed yesterday by a five-year-old, Cody. It was horrifying. But it's because uh, yesterday my uh, niece made her first communion, or as they kept uh, calling it, the first holy communion. I don't know if there's first communions that are unholy, but uh, they made sure to add that adjective all the time during uh, Mass yesterday. First Holy Communion. Now, I'm not proud when I say this, but it's been a little while since I've been into church. So as we walked into church yesterday afternoon, I kept expecting there to be like a rumbling in the earth and then a voice from the clouds going, who the heck's this guy? I haven't seen him in a while. But I looked good. Of course, uh, had to stay on brand, so I had the bow tie on to go in. So we went, and it was beautiful, except, you know, uh, priests, I think, need to rethink the style of their homilies a little bit, or their sermon, if you want to use that vernacular. So the priest seemed very nice, except every time he said, like, Lord have mercy, it sounded like he was saying, Lloyd have mercy. And I was like, is he praying to say anything? What is, where does, where is this going? I'm not quite sure, but it, it might have just been my hearing. But the point was, he starts giving, he starts giving the homily. And he's talking to the first communicants, who all looked lovely. Oh, man, the boys. It's so funny watching like second-grade boys have to get dressed up because they don't want to be in a suit or a tie, and they have all their hair is greased down like they're Don Draper going into a board meeting. They've got the side part, and it's all slicked back, and they've got their little blue blazers on or their gray suits, and everybody's got a little cr- cross on their uh, lapel pin. They And they look so nice. And then the girls, you know, forget about it. First communion for little girls, it's like uh, wedding tryouts. Because all these girls are in these gorgeous gowns, my niece included. She looked, uh, she, they do, they look like tiny little brides. Like if you were uh, recasting The Wizard of Oz with nothing but brides as the, uh, as the lollipop guild, that's how they look. So they all look terrific. And the priest starts out, all right, it's a first holy communion. And he's, so he's going to break it down. He's going to explain what first means. Then he's going to explain holy, and then he's going to explain communion. And, and he goes through it all. But he kept saying, when he was talking about the first, he's like, listen, this is the first. First time you're doing this. It's not going to be your last time you're doing this. Everything is going to continue. It's going to be fine. You've practiced. You learned the songs. You learned how to where to put your hands. You know how to say amen. You've done all this. So everything's good. But don't be scared. And he kept yelling, don't be scared. And I'm like... You're talking to, you know, seven-year-olds, and you're screaming at them to not be scared. I believe you are having the opposite effect of what you hope your sermon to achieve. The kids look terrified. And then, when was the last time you were at a First Communion, Cody? Probably a long, long time ago. A couple of years, a few years ago. Right. I, uh, I haven't been to one uh, in a while since my oldest niece got confirmed, and she's now in high school. So it's been probably 10 years. Uh, and maybe it's just this parish... They're well-heeled, let's say. Uh, people have a little dough that are uh, going to this parish. Uh, a lot of paparazzi-type uh, professional photographers. You know how usually when you go to a graduation, there's a photographer to uh, get a picture of you as you shake hands with the principal or the dean or the whoever? And then there's one at the end when you come off stage and you've got your uh, mortarboard on and you've got your diploma. They had these uh, professional photographers on the altar. So there was one who was isolated on the child as they received their first communion. And then there was another one because at this church, 
when the kid went up to make their communion, the entire family, anybody who was there to support this child, was supposed to get in a horseshoe behind them. So there was a group shot and an individual shot and a lot of, oh, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of posing. But here's how I got body shamed. So we go to a dinner after. My brother and sister-in-law hosted a very nice dinner for everybody. And uh, I had a giant steak. <laughs> so I had eaten. Now, my, uh, my, second, my other niece, who is five, who is, incidentally, my goddaughter, came up after dinner. Now, I had had uh, my steak. We had had a little dessert. I had had a couple drinks. Uh, I'm feeling a little bloated. And she walks up to me, and she pokes me in the stomach. And she says, you're fat. I was like, well, that, that's not very nice. And then she poked me again. She goes, you're fat. And I was like, that's not nice. And Cody, you know me. You know it took every ounce of energy to not rip into her like a heckler. I'm going to go, yeah, but you don't know what five plus five is. You know, you don't know how to tie your shoe. You would have destroyed I her. I would have destroyed her. I would have left her in tears. And yet, being the benevolent godfather, I walked away. But also being the godfather, you know there is retribution to come. When she least expected, she will. I will get my payback. Having a five-year-old tell you, you know what I did then? I went home and I went. All right, I got to get back. I got to get back to the gym. I got to. I got to drop a few lbs because I'm not going to have this kid say that again. Not again. Horrifying. Body shamed by a five-year-old. I should have written her a sign. Said, "Here, read this." Ha ha! You're five. You don't know how to read. <laughs> but I didn't do any of that. All right, let's take a quick break. I will try to regain composure. After that, we will have the news. Then we will talk art, because that's the kind of show we are. I don't know what that means here on WGN. We have, we have an art installation happening right here in the studio. It is very, very exciting. Uh, you may know my next, next guest as the Queen of Tape. She's been all over. You've seen her on TV. You've heard about her in different places. She is a local artist. Anna Dominguez is here. She has an art installation coming up uh, May 16th at the Tower at the St. Jane Hotel, which is at 230 North Michigan. And uh, we're going to learn all about now. You just tape that to the wall, probably. Or, or yeah, or over the glass. Where <laughs> this is this is a huge undertaking because this piece of art has never been... This is the piece of art that is being installed at the Tower at the St. James. So it has not been out of the studio, I'm guessing, until now. And uh, we are trying to figure out a way for you to see it on the stream. We think we have a way. You'll be able to get at least uh, at least a little bit of uh, a vision of what it is. And it has her, her publicist and her social media person holding the... <laughs> holding the painting up. So if you go to WGNRadio.com and you look on the stream and you see me, and off to my right you will see a beautiful, uh, a beautiful piece of art that is made entirely out of a, uh, out of a material that is unusual, to say the least. So now I, Anna has finished positioning. Welcome. Glad you're here. It is nice to meet you. Get, get right up on there. Uh, so how long... How did your how did your love of art and your pursuit of it as a as a, a career and a passion when did that when did that begin for you? I started when I was really little. Um, I did it. I started to do it as more of a therapeutic, you know, kind of form. Yeah. Um, and since I've gotten older, it's become uh, more of a passion, and it's also become a my career and my job so yes. i'm really lucky it's nice when you can turn your your passion into your career isn't it it yes, is it definitely. is nice. now uh, you know you you graduated from dominican with your degree in art you, most people would say oh are you a, are you a sculptor are you a painter do you use do you use chalks do you use oils do you use watercolors do you have a producer who breaks the microphone right in front of you i'm sorry <laughs> cody startled you he's been gone for a couple of weeks he forgets how to work in here uh but you decided you needed to find an entirely different avenue for your art. I did. Um, I was I was just kind of tired of you know the whole painting and drawing you know materials. And I went to the store one day and I saw these colored rolls of tape. This is about nine years ago, and I've never seen that in my life. And I decided to buy them and just start to play around with them. And you know the outcome of my first um, project, everyone really loved it. And okay. since then, I've just kind of built up to. My first piece was very mosaic. It was of the Chicago skyline. Okay. And now I'm doing 
detailed faces, which is really bizarre to me. So. Yeah, I've been looking. If you want to see Anna's work, uh, you can go to queenoftape.com, and there's galleries of all different kinds of things. And it is amazing, as I'm looking at uh, the ones that are, like the Big Bang Theory piece is the one I'm yeah. looking at right now. And you did that for one of the stars of the Big Bang Theory, Yeah, right? I did it uh, for Kaylee Kawoko, and I brought it on set, and it was, it was surreal that um, my art is bringing me to these levels that I've can only dream of so now this it is amazing because looking at this uh, and granted i'm now i'm looking at the at the piece that you've brought in that that we're going to talk about that's being installed uh next week and i'm looking at this piece on the on the computer and there's it doesn't there's no way i'm thinking this was done with with duct tape because it's especially the one with all the faces it's amazing the detail yeah, a lot of people don't realize it's tape until like I actually tell them it's yeah. tape. They just look at it really weird, and then they're like, oh, it's like really layered, and then they touch it. They're like, what is that? I'm like, it's tape. They're like, <laughs> what do you mean tape? I'm like, like you know, adhesive tape or like desk tape use, you know, like, so, yeah. Well, I yeah, because you people. look at even as I'm standing as close to this new piece, and I'm looking at, you know, and I know, I know what it is because right, I'm talking right. to you, but I would say... Uh, if I didn't, I'd go, wow, you know, the, the textures, like you said, and as you look in uh, what I'm guessing are clouds in the gold part mm-hmm. and, and the gold in the butt, it doesn't, it doesn't look like tape. No, you know? and there are, there's a lot of work that goes into it. There are many layers yeah. and rolls of tape. So. Yeah, so you're not just taking one piece of tape and putting it on and going, no, oh, no. No, I've um. There's actually ten layers on there right now. Wow. There are eighteen total rolls of tape that I've gone through already, and there are ten uh, layers of just black on there. Ten layers of mm-hmm. just black. Mm-hmm. Oh, is the black the? Uh, it's the, like the yeah, base it's the foundation. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now, all right. So how how did you move from uh, the skylines and buildings and more um, abstract the jump to doing? faces and portrait has to be has to be extremely difficult you know as i as i started and i was being very simple with it um i started to love it more and more and uh, definitely people's reactions helped me like push myself to see how much better i could get and uh like i said i'm really surprised i can even do faces and i really enjoy it it's very tedious time consuming and I do get frustrated, okay. but like the the outcome, I it's always very rewarding. So, and for for example, a piece like this, mm-hmm. how long a process is it from the idea, and then I saw you do a sketch that you right. that you lay yeah. over. So, what's the total time? Right now, I'm at like thirty two hours with the sketch and layering. Okay. That's <laughs> so it, that actually seems. Pretty quick to to me, and I'm now it, it used to, it probably was double that like five years ago. Okay. Um, I've gotten quicker. Uh, I know how the tape works. Um, I can unstick two pieces of tape that stick together. And oh, really? Make them completely straight. Yeah, I've been. You I'm can a, make a business. I'm out a of pro that at it now. You could be, be a tape consultant for all of us right? who tried to peel something. Like, Don't oh, damn it! So frustrating, <laughs> yeah. but now I can do it. I was like, it's easy. So. How did how did because you are sponsored by Duct Tape, yes, the Duct yes. Tape Company, who mm-hmm. we all we all use it. It's it's like the miracle tape for everything. Yes. How did they become? Did you approach them, or did they hear about your work and say, Anna, we got to, you know? No, yeah. Um. So when Twitter was probably like the biggest social platform, social media platform, which was probably about six seven years ago, I did reach out to them and I was like, Hey, look what I'm doing with your tape. Ah. It took a couple tweets and finally got their attention and. I believe it's been probably five years that we've been in a relationship and, um, you know, they have been sponsoring me for the last three years now. So it's it's great. Um, I'm so excited to always see the new rolls of tape they come out with. And I'm always one of the first people to get them. So. Ah, very nice. And do you do you find that uh, is it solid colors? Because I know they have a lot of patterns. Yeah, and stuff. I don't do you ever use those. Or no, prints are useless to me. Honestly, I, I use <laughs> I, yeah, I use the solid colors and it's it's a lot of duct tape. But there's also a lot of like a lot of like the masking and electrical tapes that I use too, oh, and okay. packaging tape, which helps with shading. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can start shading. Like if you put a piece of masking tape down and then you put a piece of packaging tape over it. it like the brown is, packaging tape? Yeah, or the clear brown. Stuff? They have red. They have yellow. They have blue. And they have green now. Yeah, it's the tape game has stepped up. I sure. guess. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you used to go in and it was just the one big roll of silver. Right. Now, yeah. as you said, there's a million different colors, a million yeah. different patterns. It's great for me, though. Yeah. It's <laughs> So when you first when you first decided that this was going to be uh, the avenue that you took? 
that, that this was how your art was going to evolve. Um, did you meet with any resistance from the people you know, that you had gone to school with? Or is the art community pretty much, hey, whatever you're going to do, just go do it? Yeah, they're very open. Um, I didn't get any resistance. I think my only fear was being able to make a living off of it. Yeah. Um, you hear of the whole starving artist, you know, <laughs> sure. and, and it's true. It's so true. And I, and I believe that's why most people that get degrees in the arts, like, sadly can't follow through with it. They, yeah. they have to go into a different field. And that was the one thing um, I told myself after I graduated. I want to go, I want to make my career as an artist. And there's been a lot of up and downs, oh, sure. ups and downs. But um, right now I'm on an up, and it's it's working out great. So. You got to love that. What was the first piece you sold? I'm sure you remember. Um, my first piece I sold was my Chicago Skyline. Okay. Yeah, I sold it for, like, I think it was, like, 50 bucks. That yeah. has to be... <laughs> That has to be one of the most fulfilling feelings, right? Because this was... Someone not, wants your artwork. Yes, like, you were yeah. being paid to do what you love. Exactly. So then how does it evolve? First of all, did you did you name yourself the Queen of Tape? I did. You did. I well, did. That's, listen, that's I a good did. moniker to have, the Queen <laughs> of Tape. There's nobody gonna nobody rivaling you for that. No. It's not like Game of Thrones where you have other queens of <laughs> tape trying to take you, take you down, right? Yeah. I've actually had someone try to steal my social media name. Really? It's, it's happened. Um but I got on that real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't. When you're the queen of tape, you cannot right. have any interlopers into the kingdom. <laughs> exactly. You have to take care of that. So, uh, so you, now you're the you're the queen of tape. You've sold your pieces. Things are starting to go well. How did you? How did it? How did you end up selling it to Kaylee Cuoco? How do how do they? I, how does that work? That people start to to hear your name and go. Wow, I got to get a piece of Anna's uh, Anna's artwork. You know, a lot like in the arts, like I said, it's very hard to break through, and a lot of it is luck. Um, so I've had a, a little bit of both. Um, I definitely got luck with Kaylee. Um, her makeup artist husband, her okay. makeup artist's husband, uh, went to one of my art shows while he was in town, and he's like, "Hey, I have some friends. I think they would love your artwork." And they con he connected me to them and. I was like, oh, who are your friends? And he's like, oh, well, just Kaylee Kawoko and like Rashida Jones. I was like, oh, okay. So when do you want this piece done? You know, <laughs> so that and just like through the sports and the athletes I've worked with, um, they're very um, great to like pay it forward and give back. Yeah. So like their word of mouth and them reposting my stuff has been definitely how I've gotten up the ladder. It's so. amazing. Mm -hmm. Anna Dominguez is here. She is the Queen of Tape. You can go to queenoftape.com to see all her artwork. She has an installation coming up that we are going to talk about in just a minute. A, a beautiful piece. If you want to go to WGNRadio.com, uh, you won't appreciate it in its full glory, but you can see it. Uh, and we'll talk. This is the first time this has been out, right? Right. This is it. And that's not even close to being done. Oh, it's not? Oh. No, 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 well, no. no. I don't listen. That is not. No way. No way. Well, yeah, yes, of course. You're the artist. You know, I look at it and I go, wow, that looks pretty cool to me uh, what it's do like i know 25 percent done right now is that really uh -huh. hey, get this out of here 25 <laughs> Tony, you let somebody bring a 25 75 percent still to go yeah it's a lot ah boy all right well either way well, <laughs> it's beautiful we'll talk more with that and find out more about her work and find out where this piece if and when it is ever finished where it will be installed <laughs> we'll find out all about that after this at 720 wgn uh i just found out as you did before the break the picture is only 25 percent done and now and and now that you lay the sketch over it, I'm like, oh yeah, there's there's a lot more. You've got a lot of work to do before May 16th. You got a visual now, right? Yeah, yeah. you've got a, you got a lot to do. So tell me about how you got involved with the uh, the tower at the St. Jane and how this uh, installation came to be. Uh, they reached out to me. Um, the owner reached out to me, and she said, "I really like your work. I would love if you would come in." Um, and see what we could do and what we could work on together, and that's kind of just how it happened. And they've been they've been curating a lot of local artists, especially they've been they've been focusing on female artists as well. Yes, yes. So this is exciting. People can uh, you're going to do a little meet and greet on that day too. Yes, Thursday May sixteenth. Thursday May sixteenth from four to six. Uh, four to six. Yeah. There was a had the mm -hmm. wrong mouse. Yes, from 4 to 6, and the St. Jane Hotel is at 230 North Michigan, so uh, people can come. They will watch it. Now, do, is this a, a permanent installation, or do they rotate them out? How does this work? Uh, it's, I believe it's a permanent installation. Installation, Yes, it's a permanent installation, um, and it's in a great room, and I'm really excited. I think those colors with the gold are definitely going to pop. Yeah. It's right by the window, so it's it'll be great. The light. Now, does it with... 
I know with uh, certain other types of art, things fade when they're near. Does do you have that trouble with tape? Is absolutely it, not. So the tape no. is a very durable medium to work. It is, with. and for this piece specifically, I'm going to put a coat of resin on it. And for those of you that don't know what resin is, it's like a clear glass. It like goes on liquid, and it okay. uh, it cures hard like glass. So it's gonna be protected for life no matter what <laughs> very nice so people will be able to come in and see this and again if they go to people go to queenoftape.com and they're interested in one of your pieces uh i'm sure as an artist you're yes. not opposed to selling pieces mm-hmm. correct exactly <laughs> very nice and do you do and i can only imagine what it would be but there's you know there's some well-heeled people who would want custom pieces do you do, you do that kind of thing oh too? definitely definitely yeah. so i'm pe- working on one right now oh really mm-hmm. can you tell us what it is not who it's for but just um kind of- it was uh, i was working on a heartbeat oh very yeah, cool it's very simple but it it was different um so and i was just working on a wedding picture as well oh so. nice and where do you uh, with custom stuff aside where do you when you're when you're creative where do you find your inspiration is it uh, you know, um, yeah, so custom stuff, like, I usually get what people want me right. to do. For me, it's literally what's off the top of my head. I get bored, I'll take a walk, I let, like, the sounds of the city just go into my head, and an idea just pops up. But lately, I've been working on empowerment pieces okay. with uh, with women. Um, a lot of my latest pieces have been surrounding that, um, and especially this Yeah, do you piece. want to tell people the message that's going to be on this piece when you finish it? Or no, do you want them to wait? Going to wait. Let's wait till yeah, the installation, yeah. May 16th, at mm-hmm. the Tower at the St. Jane, 230 North Michigan. You can go from uh, 3 to 6. Nope, 4, four to 6. To six. Uh, no, they should get there early, because there's going <laughs> to be a huge crowd. So they need to get there at 3 and wait for you. going to be a line. And, Now, ha- have you done any of these? And, and do what we want to do quickly, because... Is that the newsroom? Relax, Roger. You get your chance I at apologize. 6 o'clock. <laughs> Like, wait a minute, who is this? Are you doing a, a, a portrait of an airline crash? I hope not. Uh, oh, no. God. All right, enough, Roger. Just turn your stuff off. You, we'll talk to you at 6. I'm sorry, Anna. It's okay. Has, you know, for a journalist, he really has no manners. Can you do Can you do <laughs> a custom Roger. work of a mouth with like a zipper on it right. that we can hang in the newsroom? Dedicated that, to Roger. Dedicated to Roger so he knows when he can interject and when he can't. <laughs> Have you done any of these uh, Q&As before, these meet and greets for people? I have, but this is the biggest, most formal one, and I think that's why I'm so excited. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm grateful for everything that I get and what I do, but this is probably one of the most exciting. And the fa- does the fact that it's in your hometown, the fact that it's oh, here, that's got to that's gotta add to it a little bit definitely. too, right? Yes. I love Chicago. It's my favorite. Favorite so city. How lo- I, I, we asked how long it takes to do a piece like this, but... Do you, when you finish one, do you just sit back and go, whew, I'm done, and then wait for inspiration, or are you, like, this one will be done, it'll be installed on the 16th, people can see it from 4 to 6 mm-hmm. at the uh, Tower at the St. Jane, which is 230 North Michigan, uh, and then do you wait, or do you, does it, does it vary? Sometimes you've, you've got an idea right away, sometimes you take some time off. I definitely need a mental break, Yeah. Um, just because of the hours that consume me and the work that goes into it i need a mental break for at least a week and then i can start thinking not start working but start thinking start of another thinking. piece um definitely need a break <laughs> when you're not creating a piece do you avoid tape at all costs do you just use staples and paper clips I in your normal life i avoid art at all costs oh really you avoid <laughs> <laughs> i do i do i'm i like i said i need a mental break especially with big projects okay yeah. so you don't you won't go to other galleries you don't go to the artists do you oh know, no I, i'll i'll go but you just don't a lot of my friends are artists so i'll go to their art shows okay. and stuff personally i don't pick up anything that has to do anything with, with art <laughs> so that's very cool and uh so do you have any? Th- this is obviously a huge, a huge ordeal, oh, yeah. uh, and it's a, it's a very big event coming up. Uh, do you have a, anything coming up after that that's on the horizon? You go, oh, all right, I get a few weeks, and then I have to start creating ideas for this next big project. Not as of now, okay. not as of now, which is putting me my mind at ease a little bit. Is that, it, that's got to be a good feeling, right? That you can just kick back and relax. And it, do you find inspiration comes? At times like that, when you're completely relaxed and you don't have anything to do, or can you can you like force inspiration? Go, I gotta have an idea today. I cannot force inspiration. It's usually when I'm relaxed, I'm, it's like last minute and it just hits you. Yeah, definitely. And like you, like I said, you can't force art. You can't force. For me, I can't force my mind to work on a piece that I'm not mentally into or yeah. just even think about 
like, like inspiration. So I have to, it just has to come to me, honestly. We've got some text questions coming in. Uh, how, oh, how, somebody wants to know, and this is because we've all had this when we're working with, with duct tape. How do you avoid strings and stuff from the duct tape? You know how sometimes we, we pull, mm-hmm. or do you just and ball it up, throw it away, and just keep pulling until you have the perfect piece? It's very rare that I get the string, uh, but sometimes I do, and you just pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> you just pull it. Well, for me, it's, it's simple because I've been working with yes, it. Yes, you know, yeah. Yeah, you just pull it off. You probably can start a roll even if you don't see the seam, right? The rest of us, the rest of us oh, are yeah. picking yeah. at it like it's all by, I'm just, I don't even look at it. I just just wow. lay it out. <laughs> it's like a superpower. You're like you're, you're like yes. Captain Duct Tape. <laughs> Captain uh, Queen of Duct Tape, Captain Duct Tape. Uh, are there any other materials that you use besides the tape? And have you heard uh, of a form of art called trashing, turning recycled materials into art? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, I've seen sculptures. Uh, I was just in L.A., and I saw one that was made completely out of tires, which is really cool. It was a horse. Um, But what was the other other question? Uh, Do you work in any other materials? I don't. The only other medium that I will use when the project is done is I'll take an oil marker, and I will outline some of the parts that you can see the adhesive with. So with the tape, there's white adhesive under every roll of tape, and I'll go over with a marker and just, like, color those in so they're not showing. That's cool. And it's usually black. And one last thing from a uh, texter in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Did you have a fascination with tape as a kid? Was that is that what led you to this, or it was just after, like you said, after college, you were like, I got to find a new uh, medium? No fascination, but funny story. My dad worked for a tape company for thirty years of his life, so I was around tape all the time. <laughs> I just never thought about it as a medium until I graduated college. So that's oh, it's funny. There you go. Very cool. Anna Dominguez is here. She is the queen of tape. She has a piece being. Uh, installed at the uh, tower at the St. Jane Hotel, which is at 230 North Michigan. The unveiling, the Q&A, the installation is May 16th from 4 to 6. There will be a meet and greet, a Q&A. You can go meet Anna. And then if you want to see a lot of her really cool work, you can't believe, you'll look at it and say, there's no way this is tape. Trust me, it's tape. Uh, go to queenoftape.com to get uh, to take a look at her pieces and uh, learn all about Anna. It was a pleasure to meet you. You too. Um, all of my social media is actually under Queen of tape so if you go on instagram Everything. twitter or facebook and my website perfect so. queen of tape yes. if you put in queen of tape except no substitutes no imitators no uh <laughs> nobody trying to take the throne it's anna dominguez the queen of tape congratulations on this best of luck with it and Thank it was you. great meeting you i hope you, to see too, you again. likewise Thank all you. right let's do this then uh mr budinski roger can do the news all right we'll t- we'll be back wgn on april 29th 2016 michael meyer began a journey that would last him three years. It would take him all across the country and uh, have him visit every national park. Well, on April 29, 2019, Micah finished that journey. We talked to Micah a few years ago when things were uh, just starting, and we welcome him back to the program. Micah, first of all, welcome back, and congratulations on completing this unbelievable quest. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be back. I've got a big smile on my face. You can't see it, but I am I'm very thrilled to have completed this journey. I can't, For those who are saying, wait a minute, what journey? What is this? Tell people what you've been up to for the last three years. Yeah, so for the past three years, I have traveled over 75,000 driving miles, nearly 200,000 with planes, trains, and boats, while visiting all 419 of our National Park Service sites spread across every state and territory in the U.S., now, when you started it, it, I thought the number was different. It was 411, right? How did that number, how did that number change? Yeah, so I learned a valuable lesson about not picking a goal with a moving target. <laughs> because uh, the Park Service added sites even up until it was 418 as of November. And then in March, the Senate and the House and the President signed a brand-new public lands package and added another new site that I had to fly for, and then it was possible that any day, even the morning of my finale, they could have gotten a land transfer from one of these newly authorized sites, and suddenly the number would have been 420, and my whole plan of three years to the minute would have been thrown off. So it was this sort of like nail-biter finale. Listen, didn't they know what was going on? Had you not alerted everyone to this in the government and said, "Can can you put a hold on it until April 30th? That's sort of what I like put out into the world. I did make a few phone calls to people who were like 
very far up in the decision-making as far as when the land transfer would be officially signed. And I just said, just comfort my fears and let me know it's not like in the next month. Now, explain to everybody and refresh my memory, how how did this start? What was the purpose behind it? Yeah, so my dad passed away from cancer when I was 19 years old, and he was just 58 at the time, and it was sort of unexpected. He was really healthy, and everything was going great, and then this esophageal cancer appeared. And it taught me a really valuable life lesson about us not having the time we think we might have to pursue our dreams or to spend time with people we care about. And most of my peers seemed to think they were guaranteed to live to 80. Mm -hmm. So I decided I wanted to save up throughout my 20s with a goal of launching a crazy trip at age 30 that would hopefully capture their attention and share this carpe diem message so that they wouldn't kick their goals down the road until they might miss a chance to do them. And you were also, besides sending that message, which resonates with, it should resonate with everyone no matter what your age is, that, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed, get out there and enjoy it. Uh, you also were raising awareness of the national parks, which a lot of people take for granted. They don't, that we haven't visited many of them, maybe somebody's been to one, but you don't realize, I didn't realize when I first spoke to you that there were 411 at that point. I really didn't know that now there were 419, almost 420. So that's another thing. And then you also were, were helping to spread the message about pride and your hashtag pride outside and, and, and showing people that, listen, it, the outdoors is for everybody. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so there's a great example right in your listening area. Um, in this past year, the Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore, which is one of those uh, 300 some other sites that don't get as much press as the Capital and Capital P National Parks, that was upgraded to one of the national parks. It's actually our most recent one. So now we have 61 of those Capital and Capital P National Parks, with Indiana Dunes National Park being the newest one of those really well-known ones. So, yeah, it was it was to help share that every single state and territory has a National Park Service site. You don't have to go all the way out west to experience something amazing. And also to help this industry and this outdoors culture that has been pretty homophobic for a long time. When I began this journey in the history of the outdoors industry, there had never been an openly LGBT person featured in any sort of advertising. And actually, this past October, about a month after we last spoke, that changed for the first time ever because REI enlisted me to help them with one of their campaigns. And it was the first time in history that an open game man was ever included in one. Congratulations. That's ex- that's that's exceptional. And it's it's something that, unfortunately, has taken, as you said, this long to get done. But, you know, uh, little incremental steps sometimes is what's, uh, what's needed. And uh, you actually kicked down the door and, well, there's no door outside, but... You know what I mean, and, and, you did, <laughs> yeah, and it was nice. I mean, seeing uh, if, if you were a young person uh, in the LGBT community, and you're like, oh, I don't know. It, the, some of the pictures of you in these gorgeous outdoor scenes with the flag draped around you, the pride flag, and it it, it was inspiring for people who are not in that community, and it had to be unbelievably inspiring for people in that community, whether they're young people who are trying to. Uh, define themselves and and uh, or people who've been who've been out for a long time yeah it's incredible whether on my email my website or social media i get multiple messages per day from people who say um you know i'm a ranger and i was in the closet when i worked at that site you visited and put that picture up and i just started to cry when i saw it because it meant so much to me that someone could do that or messages from kids who say, you know, this gives me hope that I can do anything in my life, even if where I come from, people say I can't. And even retirees and people who who said, you know, I'm later in life, but this has given me the courage to to live my life openly yeah. now. It was it's a really humbling and powerful experience. And it's it's something that uh, you you know you should be very proud of. I'm sure you are, but uh, you know, it's it's something that uh, the message that needs to be needs to be out there more and more. When you started this, was there one national park that you hadn't visited in the past that you were really looking forward to? And if so, did it live up to what you had hoped it would be? Yeah, actually, one of my biggest goals when I started this journey was to raft the entirety of the Grand Canyon. But it's a multi-thousand dollar trip, and I had sort of scraped together pennies from working part-time jobs throughout my 20s, and I just couldn't put it in the budget. And... uh 
one of the companies that runs these trips read a Washington Post article about my journey and that that was one of the things I wanted to do the most. And so Grand Canyon Whitewater called me up and they said, hey, we want to make this happen for you. And it was everything I expected and more. It's I think what's really special about these overnight rafting trips, whether it's the Grand Canyon or or any of our other rivers, is that you are away from cell phone service. So it truly is a chance to really connect with nature and connect with the people you're with. And you don't even have the option of being distracted by Instagram. And is that, did you relish that as you went to these places to be kind of off the grid for a little bit and be in the moment of where you were? Yeah, I mean, it was super special because a large part of my job on this journey was to share these places and to create digital content and blogs and do communication. So for me, it was a chance to sort of take a few days off work as well and really just immerse myself in nature. And in in the world we live in now where we're constantly surrounded by noise, we're constantly being advertised to, it's really special to find a place, not only of this magnitude and beauty, but where you're really disconnected. Well, and it's got to be, uh, this is going to be a difficult question. Was there, was, what was the biggest surprise as you went to these, as you went to these parks? Was there one, one park you went to and thought, well, I never expected this to happen here? Yeah, well, one of my favorite sites of this whole journey is Dinosaur National Monument. And I, while I was doing one of those overnight rafting trips, I had a wild Canadian goose follow my boat for four days and he slept next to our tents he hiked up the trails with us and what was crazy is i was uh doing a speech about this and showing a video of this animal we named george the goose and somebody came up to me and said you know i bet george the goose is the spirit of your father that wanted to be part of this road trip and he came along wow and what's even crazier is i gave that speech at a luther college a few months later and the pastor came up to me, uh, the campus pastor came up afterwards and said, I know that that was a spirit of your father, because with your dad being a Lutheran minister, um, he would know that there was this theologian before Martin Luther began the Protestant Reformation, who said pretty much all the same stuff Luther said, but he got burned at the stake by the Catholic Church for it. And that theologian's name was Jan Hus, and his last name translates to Goose. Oh. And so you often see Martin Luther holding a goose in paintings and statues, so I have no doubt if your dad wanted to come along, that that's how you do it. That, that it's giving me chills. <laughs> that, that is yeah. wild. That is unbelievable. I'm talking to Michael Meyer. He is uh, he has just finished an unbelievable journey visiting all 419 national parks. Uh, MichaelMeyer.com is his website. You can go in and see all the details. All right, so it's it's getting close. You're at 417, and I know you'd been planning this before. You know, I'm last minute. You probably had it all all planned out. You said you <laughs> wanted to end it on the same day to the minute when you started. Yeah. How much how much went into that? That seems like as you said there was a lot of there were a lot of moving pieces to make that happen exactly how it did yeah it was a really cool moment i um i was aware from the beginning that i wanted to end this journey at the lincoln memorial just across the reflecting pool from where i started and initially it was this idea of climbing the stairs like rocky but <laughs> as this journey as this journey took on so many different meanings it was It was sort of serendipitous to realize that for a kid from Lincoln, Nebraska, I was ending under the gaze of Abraham Lincoln, a president who, if you visit Indiana, Kentucky, or Illinois, they'll all try to tell you had the most influence on his legacy as a civil rights president. And so to end uh, a journey that was inspired by my Lutheran father, pastor, and the same spot where MLK gave his I Have a Dream speech, Ending one of my dreams while helping people with civil rights in a way that honored Lincoln. It was just this incredibly powerful moment that that I knew would not have happened was it not for the support of thousands of people around the world. So I invited the public to join me and had about 100 people, news media, friends, random strangers who all showed up and made that final walk with me together from the Washington Monument to the oh. top of the Lincoln Memorial. It's it- unbelievable that it that it all came together like that and you mentioned in your blog on your site that this was not your journey and you you just alluded to it now that people people helped you from all over whether it was the rafting company who donated the trip to people who gave you places to stay or gave you a meal or just just helped you out along the way were you amazed by the outpouring of support that you got for this journey in this project i really was because i I began it with what experts said was only the fifth, a fifth of the amount of money to do it. And I sort of 
jumped out on this leap of faith, believing this is what I was needing to do and that this was a, a message I was hoping to be able to get out there through this project and not really knowing how I'd do it. But it was a really beautiful testament to the human spirit that enough people saw that message and read me on the headline and said, you know, this is something he's putting positivity out into the world and we want to make sure that it happens. So it was really, even my most cynical friend from college who flew out <laughs> said this was an amazing day. So at that moment I knew that we had done something special. It was it was an amazing journey. And again, if, if you want to see pictures and learn all about the, uh, the journey, you can go to michaelmeyer.com and, uh, and learn all about it. So is there one, when you, when you talked to people and told them about this, was there one misconception that a lot of people have about the national parks that you came across that you either now can set them straight or you were able to set them straight on before? Yeah, I think people assume that our most interesting sites are these sites that have gotten the capital N, capital P, national park status, uh, when in reality, a lot of that has to do with just politics. Okay. Um, maybe some senator is owed a favor, and so they'll get a raise in their designation. Whereas so many of these sites I went to, like Buck Island Reef National Monument, White Sands National Monument, Dinosaur National Monument, were more interesting sites than some of these more popular parks. And indeed, many of those parks had begun as national monuments. So it was really cool to be able to go beyond the 61 sites that most people go to on sort of epic park journeys and show America and the world the entirety of our system and give them the information to best experience a park site if they decide to take a day and go do that. And it, it's probably easier to visit a national monument at times because the less crowds than you say at the big at the big ones. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's one of the reasons why I talk about dinosaurs so much is because it is it's everything that National Park Service has to offer all wrapped in one site. It's got incredible vistas, activities, history, uh, in, insanely beautiful nature, and it only gets 7% of the amount of visitors that nearby Rocky Mountain National Park and Zion National Park get. So nobody's blocking you in with a tour bus, nobody's Perfect. smacking you in the face with an iPad, and at the most beautiful sunset, nobody's screaming to their friends. <laughs> You can see, if you go to Micah's website, com, right in the middle of the first page, it's it's amazing the map uh, and the route that you took and how it just how you're zigzagging all over the country uh, by by ground and then the, the places you have to go. Did you drive to the Alaska sites or did you fly to the Alaska sites? I did. I'm really proud of that. It was about 50 hours each way, but I drove the Cassier Highway up through central British Columbia on the way up, and then on the way back, I drove the Alcan Highway across Canada and dropped in from North Dakota. So started up through Seattle and then came back across and dropped into the Midwest. And I didn't realize, I mean, I knew there were uh, some volcano monuments and parks in Hawaii. I didn't realize there were as many sites in the Hawaiian Islands as there are. And they're super magical, too. I actually feel really lucky. Um, multiple points on my journey. Um, I visited Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands in December of 16, the year before the major hurricane came through. And I visited Hawaii Volcanoes National Park as my 300th site on my 32nd birthday. And a month later was when it started exploding and the entire park shut down. Uh. So I felt super lucky to get to that one. And Haleakala National Park on Maui is also one of my new favorite sites. Even after I enjoyed it so much, I took so many pictures that I got stuck hiking in the dark, and I had to send a text to my friend that said, I'm running out of battery. If you don't hear from me in two hours, call the park police. Oh, jeez. Well, was, I was hiking in pitch black. Well, I'm glad you survived that, and congratulations yeah. on finishing this trip. It is amazing. Uh, go to Micah's website, micahmeyer.com, uh, 419 U.S. National Parks, you're a role model. Now you're a groundbreaker in, in the outdoor industry and all for a, gr a great motivation and, and just a wonderful story. So, Mike, it was, it was great to talk to you before, and I am honored to talk to you now that you've finished this. Congratulations, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, thank you. I'll actually be back in the Chicago area this fall because my next my next project, if anybody from the Big Ten is listening right now, I'm still looking for a corporate sponsor, is I'm going to follow the Nebraska Cornhusker football team to every game this season to continue breaking stereotypes and show off the awesomeness of the Midwest with the world. Well, please come and visit us because we are the flagship of Northwestern. So uh, we are Big Ten heavy here at WGN, and we'd love to welcome you and yeah. see you in person. Can't wait. All right, Micah, thanks again. Congratulations.
Thank you for having me. Yep. MikeAmeyer.com is the website. This was uh, talk about it. Talk about an inspiring trip. 419 national parks, the vistas, the pictures, uh, his story, just just terrific. So we're glad to be able to put a bow on, put a bow on it with a nice follow up. All right, let's do this. Then there's more. WGN. Brian Newton, 720 WGN. You know, Cody, we got a late start. I was trying to uh, tell the story about the first communion being body shamed by my niece. So we didn't even mention that it's Cinco de Mayo. I hope uh, people are enjoying Cinco de Mayo. I'm, uh, I don't want to, I don't make too big a deal of Cinco de Mayo only because I don't want to be accused of uh, cultural appropriation because I appreciate uh, the Mexican culture and the Mexican heritage and the fact that this is the anniversary of a, a battle that uh, the Mexicans defeated a much bigger army at Puebla. And, uh, but, I do enjoy. I do enjoy myself. I am going to have a little Mexican food tonight, um, and perhaps we we should tell this story, Cody, because you tweeted it out. This is how. This is Roger. A lot of times you'll think to yourself, "Hey, Brian and Cody seem like they're in sync, like they're simpatico, like they're two great minds functioning as one, or half a mind functioning as two. Either way." Uh, and this story goes to prove it. And while we're telling this story, I want you to start calling in at 312-981-7200, calling or texting to give a little love to your favorite teacher because Teacher Appreciation Week starts tomorrow. So we'll, we will be talking about that. But this was another one of these weird uh, Cody Bryan or Brian Cody uh, big show coincidences. I had never had a uh, Michelada before. Michelada. Michelada. See, this is why I try to, because I, you know... Because I also like pico de gallo. I'm kidding. Delicious. <laughs> it is delicious. And some tacos. All right. But anyway, so I met the other night I met one of my local breweries. Uh, I'm, I was out running errands, and I saw that they had been, uh, they, they do this Mexican lager, which we've talked about with the guys, uh, with Jesse and John on at the breweries before. Mexican-style lager is a, a lighter beer, um, good for drinking all day, mixes well. So... I saw that they were releasing it again this year, and I thought, well, I'm going to swing by on my way home. It was right on my way. Couldn't have been more convenient uh, to pick up some to bring back to the house. And they were having a big, not only release party, but the uh, micheladas. They were making micheladas there with this Mexican lager. And I could say it was Buckle Down Brewery, and their beer is Cactus Pants. I don't get paid for this. This is just, you know, I spent my money like everybody else. But I went... And uh, a local company is there, and we are going to talk to this local company because there's a big Michelada festival coming up in July. So we're going to talk to the creator of Big Mitch, uh, which is the company that that I had. And so I I had a Michelada, and it was delicious. And so I come in today, and I'm, I'm telling Cody, oh, about the weekend, and we were both talking about Cinco de Mayo because I saw he posted something about seeing some Lucha Libre wrestlers yesterday outside of his apartment. I don't know where he lives, but uh, it was there was wrestling in the streets. And I said, oh, man, I had this Michelada the other day. And Cody said, hold on, what did you tell me? I said, I also had a Michelada this weekend. For the first time. Also, for the first time. And then I said, oh, I had it with this Big Mish mix. A uh, guy's local. The guys are local, and we're going to talk to them uh, at some point because it's a, it's a cool event and a local business and this whole thing. And you told me. I also <laughs> had some Big Mish. Now, we were not together. We were miles apart. This happened on different days. You did it Friday, I did it Saturday, and we had different flavors of it. Yes, different flavors, but we both had the same... Isn't that weird? We both had the the same drink for the first time ever, and I wasn't at a Cinco de Mayo-related event. you were just at a party. I was literally at a house party. Right on. Um, And a Hispanic gentleman turned to me, he said, you ever had a michelada? I said, no, actually. I have not. And uh, my wife was surprised, too. She's like, oh, you never had a michelada? I'm like, well, I don't know what it is. I've never heard of it. Well, I've had similar similar things called like a red eye with friends of mine from Texas, but it's mostly V8 and beer. You know? Oh, yeah. It's kind of a Bloody Mary takeoff. And the guy told me, oh, it's a great hangover cure, which would make sense. But the difference, I guess, the difference is between a Bloody Mary and a Michelada is the Michelada mixes are more focused on citrus flavors and the Mexican chili powder. Mine was cucumber flavored. Ooh. Yeah. And mine had four stars of heatness. I think yours had five. I went with the OG. I went with hot. 
Yeah. And it was it was spicy and delicious. Just yeah. like me, quite frankly. And that was with what kind of beer you had it with? I had it with uh Cactus Pants Mexican style lager from Buckle okay. Down Brewery. I had it with a Negra Modelo. Ooh, oh, oh, dark. Yeah, they just he just yeah, put some ice in there, put half a th- you know, half a glass of michelada, dumped in uh the the, beer? the Modelo and it was it was it was amazing. That it was amazing. Good. Great way to Pace yourself. Yes. If you're out drinking, because you're only having half a beer. And let's be honest, you're getting your vegetables. <laughs> so it is nothing if not healthy. It's a health food. It's a health food. So if you still are looking for a way to uh, cap off your Cinco de Mayo, if, listen, if you've probably had a... Because everybody, everybody else is listening to us now going, really? You guys, th- this is your first one, huh? This is where, where have you lived your entire life? I've had I've had all sorts of things. Now, I, you know what? Now I have a taste for... Uh, now I have a taste for mole too. Mole is delicious. I got to get some mole tonight too. I don't uh, know where I'm going to get it. Anyway, can so, I also yes, give please. a quick shout out? Uh, you course. mentioned lucha libre wrestling. I did. Yeah. Where do you, all right? Where do you see? How do you? You know, you live in the city, and all of a sudden you've got wrestlers outside of your house. What's going on? Yeah, it's incredible. It made me. It made it validated my choice to live in a major city. So much. I'm sitting there in my apartment, and I hear some music. And you know, like, if, if there's a street festival going on, you hear music, that, and you can hear the bass, and you can hear it kind of consistently throughout the day. Well, I didn't hear that. I heard, like, what sounded kind of like an announcer, like at a sports stadium, maybe, and then some music, and then it got quiet. Okay. Then it happened again. So I go, something's up. So I open my door, and what do I hear? Wrestling entrance music. Like WWE, <laughs> and I go. There's wrestling happening near my house. I don't know how or why. And I go. You're like a dog. Your ears perk up. Huh? Oh man, wrestling. Oh, this coming. You know, this is. You know, I'm the guy who in 2019 actually produced the Brian Noonan show for the first time in eight years because he didn't take the week off yes. for WrestleMania. So, like, I'm a wrestling guy, and but I walk ended over up being fun. That ended up being very fun. And I walk over to Broken English Taco Pub. Shout out to ding, our ding, friend ding. Uh, Frank Valdez and everybody else over at Broken English. They have a little street festival called Cinco on the Street right there in Lincoln Park. Nice. And there's a wrestling ring right there. They have Lucha Libre wrestlers. <laughs> and I watched two matches, and it was phenomenal. Really? Oh, man. There was a six-man <laughs> tag, and they spill out into the, onto the side, onto the street, uh, rather. And okay. they're fighting each other. One guy picks up a trash can, dumps it on the other guy, a bunch of empty beer. <laughs> can spill out uh they had to clean it up afterwards man local wrestling is the best thing ever that is hilarious it's so great right on the street yeah. so cinco de mayo everywhere we enjoy it very much uh you know what now roger did you did you remember that uh, now that you're out of the game that uh, teacher appreciation week starts tomorrow well, he's I'm sorry, we have the uh, vacuum cleaner going in here. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, what, what did you, did say you realize that Teacher Appreciation Week starts tomorrow? I believe I did. Did because you? Because I do these, you know, Monday is whatever day or whatever week. And sure. So, yeah. Yeah, did I you, did know. But when since you I'm were not a, teaching when you were, I know. When you were a teacher, did yeah. people appreciate you? Did you feel appreciated by your students and the, fact, the, uh, the administration and the public at large? Uh, no. No. Um, teachers so rarely, a couple te- of things teachers don't. Well, they aren't appreciated. Let's well, be honest. Uh, no, we, so I felt the appreciation from my students all year long. Really? But at this point of the year, the students were only looking towards the end of school, not towards helping celebrate their fantastic <laughs> yeah, teachers. Because, you know, the ACT test is over. Spring break is over. You've got like six weeks left of school. They're ready to get out. So celebration wasn't there. But we did have a basket of apples at one school that I worked at. That were uh, hurled at you in disdain? Well, if you could run fast enough, you didn't get hit. Um, no, I'm joking. So, no, it was when you would go in, you would, you know, use your time clock, sign in, and there was a big basket of apples. If you wanted one, you would take it and take it to that your was, room. That, that was how it. appreciated That really? was the whole thing. You might have gotten That's a certificate that some secretary had, like, you know, thrown through the printer and they were all identical and they misspelled yeah. your name you know right. um at another so lo- school so my low second pay school. Uh-huh. uh low pay right uh no appreciation right and then a, a xeroxed misspelled yeah feeling good that was at the one school second school uh we got a catered affair really yes fantastic and so that was the school i was last at uh, right. for about two years and um, uh, it was a catered affair and no meeting connected to it. Oh, well, that's, it's funny. Well, <laughs> I thought of this today because, one, I'm, you know, 
I'm in school. I know so you are, I, yeah, yeah, so I am uh, going to be part of this. But Mary Schmeek had a piece in the Tribune talking about a couple of teachers that she remembered, but she made uh, she made a good point. She said a lot of most teachers don't care about this week. They don't like it. They don't like um, they don't like Teacher Appreciation Week because, like most jobs, most a lot of people don't feel appreciated all the time at their job. Most people don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people though get paid enough where it makes up for a lack of appreciation. Um, you know, everybody wants to be honored, but... Uh, or recognized, way, or at recognized. least. Or recognized. Yeah. And and it's fine. I think the best way, and Mary, Mary said this, and I agree with her uh, 100%, the best way to appreciate teachers is to respect them week after week. And uh, the way to do that is, and uh, Illinois and uh, the rest of states and government, if you're listening, is to pay them what they're due. Pay them what they're worth. Make sure that they're not having to dip into their pockets for hundreds of dollars a year for basic supplies uh, for their classroom to educate our children, to educate the people who will someday lead this country or work at your company or fix your car or whatever it is they're doing. These men and women are the ones who are creating the foundation for this country. So we need to uh, we need to pay them a little more and uh, and appreciate them. And don't text me well they get the summers off. All right. uh, the most, a lot of them don't get paid over the summer. The teachers that I'm talking to are all scrambling to find extra gigs over the summer. Mm-hmm. These are people with master's degrees and higher that are, uh, you know, uh, babysitting and nannying and doing anything they can, waitressing, whatever they can, which are fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with those there jobs. There are teachers that are doing lawn care over the right. summer. Just to make ends meet. Just so to make ends meet because... and. Uh, and people don't get into teaching for money. I know that. Right. And but the you, money it that... shouldn't cost you extra, right? that much extra to do your job. This year exactly. there was a, a, a survey that came out that an, it's an average of about $500 mm-hmm. per teacher that they're putting out for supplies in their right. own classroom. And we and used wrong. to get a uh, rebate on our taxes uh-huh. up to $100. Uh, and that's gone now. Right. Well, America's great now. We don't need to give. Uh, we don't need to give those kind of write-offs. One and other. In, in my case, it was more than five hundred dollars a year, because we had no textbooks. Yeah, but you we were had buying no those crazy wizard hats. That doesn't. No, count. no, 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 you no. Know, put, your costumes shouldn't. No, uh, shouldn't go into that, that was separate and apart. I'm talking about. <laughs> I spent because we had no reproductive facilities in the school, so I spent weekends. At uh, Kinko's. Did you say reproductive facilities at the school? As in reproducing documents? I know, documents. but that just sounds like, I understand. like a, a All room right. with dim lights and mattresses. No, we had I got no some re- reproductive <laughs> facilities in here. Hi-o! <laughs> I thought we frowned on high school fine, kids reproducing. Fine. Be that way about it. We already are. I know you are. But I would spend weekends at Kinko's spending up thousands of dollars that I didn't have. Um, and, uh, this was, thank goodness it was at a time where Bridget was still working. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then partway through, she had to stop working for medical issues. And so it was just my salary. Yeah. And it was not uh, enough no, to, to run a family and take care of our kids and, and all that stuff. There were times where we went a couple of weeks without buying food. We, we just couldn't afford it. And now, see, somebody else texted in, I wish I only spent $500 on my classroom. Try exactly. thousands. That's from Karen. It's also National Nurses Week, another uh, group of men mm-hmm. and women who are uh, sometimes underappreciated, and they have to deal with us at our worst mm-hmm. uh, and our weakest and uh, have to deal with doctors who can be very, while very wise and compassionate, can be a bit condescending mm-hmm. to the men and women who are actually on the front line all the time. And we're, listen, mm-hmm. we're very excited uh, because it's uh, Teacher Appreciation Week tomorrow. Tomorrow mm-hmm. at school, it's uh, what do you get? Super uh, superhero day, so Ooh. I get to wear a Spider-Man T-shirt. That's we get to we get to dress down all week. That's our big thing. Hey, very you can wear cool. jeans all week. Woohoo! Lucky you. Yeah. Oh boy, I'm uh, yeah. you know. Uh, I think they're buying us. They're buying us breakfast on Tuesday. Okay. Which I will say, I'm looking forward to that because when they buy breakfast, yeah. normally it's these uh, delicious breakfast pizzas. Oh, really? Which, oh, they're very tasty. So oh, I'm looking my. forward to that. And then Friday we get lunch uh, from the uh, the used to be the PTA. Now I think it's PTO. Right. So mm-hmm. they'll be buying us lunch, mm-hmm. uh, which should be good. Uh, and that you know, but that's uh, listen. I I I am in. I'm on the periphery, so I don't, you know, I don't need that much appreciation. I don't mind a couple pieces of breakfast, pizza, and lunch. Yeah, uh, that's cool for me. The fact that I don't have to wear, uh, you know, 
nice pants and shoes all week is good, too. Not bad. I will say I did get one appreciation uh, from my students when I was at Chicago Vocational Career Academy. I don't know who the student was, but it was a recommendation. of uh, um, They had to fill out some kind of form, unbeknownst to me. And it was from the University of Chicago. It's called the Bloom Kovler Award, Teacher Appreciation Award. Uh-huh. And they do this once a year. And there's about six or seven teachers from the entire city that are recommended by a student in their school. And they get this award. There's a committee that chooses them. And I was chosen one year. I was completely surprised by it. Uh, there was a stipend. Was it for, was it for pacing? Because <laughs> can you pick up the? We got to get out of here in eight minutes, Roger. Can you, can you so, move it along just a little bit? Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah. Can you? Can you? We're not giving a eulogy for the entire educational system. We this show is known for its energy. This let let's let's wrap is it that up what a little bit. Well, I would finish if you'd let me. No, you wouldn't. Uh, yes, That's I would. That's what we're afraid of. It was of. a very nice affair. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we got to do this. <laughs> 312-981-7200, your favorite teacher and why. We'll talk about ours. Well, Cody and I will because it'll be brief. Roger will start and then, you know, Karen will begin and Roger will still be going at the 730 News. But that's that. This is this. All right, a few more minutes before Karen Conti takes over. Karen has stepped into the studio. Uh, we were talking about Teacher Appreciation Week. Karen, do you have any teachers that stood out in your storied past? That's so funny that you said that because I reached out today to a third grade teacher who I haven't spoken to in 50 years, and uh, I just said hello to her. I called her Mrs. Yes, oh, I'll say you her have name, to. Mrs. Patelka. I said, sorry, I can't call you Janice. I see you on Facebook. I see you're doing well. I just wanted to let you know, uh, you know that that I, you know I turned out okay, and uh, <laughs> and you were my favorite teacher. And I actually wow. tried to get her on the radio show, but she uh, didn't respond. So uh. so anyway, I felt good doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking back, and you know, you have a lot of teachers over yes. the over the course of your lifetime. And seventh grade, Mrs. O'Brien was. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, just all around, all around good teacher, you know. And then in high school, uh, Mr. Chandler, John okay. Chandler, who is now a big wig at Saint Ignatius, but back then he was a, a teacher. And there was just something. He, whereas a lot of a lot of teachers were a little judgy over there, he always seemed to have my back. And, he, and there was one instance in particular that really stood out. So he he always had a, a special place. It's it's interesting because those little moments that meant something to you back when you were eight or nine years old or whatever age you were really stick out in your mind, and I'm sure those teachers have no recollection whatsoever, but right. but they probably filled all kinds of kids' lives with those oh, kind yeah. of moments, and uh, it's nice to acknowledge that. And it's seeing it now from that side, where sure. you're like, oh, these ki- you you do... You do have a, a even stuff that's not academic, just little things, just through a little to them. comment. Yes, can really make their day, and they do have it. And then on the flip side, do you have any memories of a teacher where you're, you're like, Ugh. yeah, I do. I have a few of those, but but more good than yes. bad. I do, I do. I'm I just, just felt like I love school, though. I was like one yeah. of those kids. I just I never wanted to be sick because then I'd have to stay <laughs> home. You know? Oh so, no, yeah, you want yeah. to get to school and learn. I did. See, Mrs. Collins in second grade took my football cards i had them in a folder i wasn't even they weren't even out she just happened to walk by my desk as i was taking another paper out of my folder she saw the football cards took them never gave them back you're a victim you're I always am. a victim well Brian. Not, not always a you're, victim you're a victim just, with like the easter basket i mean i'm well, still sad about listen, the easter basket as you should be that's that is a sad story it's <laughs> listen this is my life i lost my baseball cards in second grade i didn't get an easter basket uh Mrs. Groskoff in first grade told my parents not to send blue cheese in my lunch anymore because it stunk. A lot of things going wrong. But overall, overall, good memories of all these teachers. Yeah, and you're it's pretty well-adjusted. Sure. Nudge, yeah, that's, nudge, that's, wink, no, wink. of course not. That's, you know, if I was well-adjusted, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd be sitting in an office somewhere making big dough. Anyway, what's coming up on your program tonight? We're going to be talking about that horrible, sad case, the A.J. Frun case. You know, everyone's talking about it. And I'm not going to belabor the point of, of the facts of that case, but I I do want to talk to a DCF attorney, Kent Dean, who practices lots. All he does is DCFS work. So he's going to explain the procedure.
procedure. Where do the DCFS fall down? Where do they fall down? What kind of organization are they? I mean, why do mistakes get made? Is this a mistake or are the laws just not rigorous enough to take children away from parents? So we're going to talk about those issues. That's good because, it, I mean, they're obviously the, not the scapegoat, they're, they're a they're, target. They're in a those, target now, But they're right. a target in all of these and it seems... Unfortunately, we only hear about the tragedies. We hear about the little girl uh, who died last year, who had been checked on right, a couple times. Right. We hear about this AJ Friend case. We hear about these, and you know the the old tropes of well, listen, there's a lot of kids in the system, and there's not a budget for enough uh, field agents to do this, and they do the best they can, and. Doing the best you can can't really be your your defense anymore. No, it can't be. It, it's a it's it's a it's a fail safe, but it's a fail safe that has holes in it. Yes, and and there's plenty of cases too where there are false allegations, and we see that sure. in litigation when ex spouses get vindictive or neighbors are nasty, and there's false reports all the time. And even teachers sometimes, who are mandatory reporters, will see bruises. They think they have to report, and they do, and it's yeah. good that they do. But it just happens, so happens to be that the kid took a spill, and now the parents have to hire a lawyer and go through this. Process. Well, yeah, because teachers and administrators and social workers are mandatory reporters. Right. So if you ask a kid, hey, what happened there? And they say, oh, you know, I got burned or I got this. That It's a very, it's a very difficult position for these it teachers is. and administrators to be in because, like you said, by law, they have to report it. But what falls in the normal range of... Listen, a kid's going to get bruised sometimes. Right. And if they tell you, if they don't tell you something, where you know, yeah. it's a it's a You can't tell if they're lying or covering up or what really happened to them. It, this is all a very hard thing. And, and, you know, of course, the easiest target is the two parents. And I think people well, they, they are, are talking about bringing back the death penalty just for these two people. Listen, you know, I... It's, it's, it's horrible. Certain cases. I think maybe case by case we do it. And this would definitely be one of them. Well, yeah. it'll be an interesting conversation. Yes, I'll be listening absolutely. to to, to uh, find out what he has to say in defense of them. So, y feliz cinco de mayo. Ah, sí. Uh, yeah, back sí, at muchas you. Gracias. <laughs> muchas gracias. <laughs> Listen, I gotta go get a, a michelada. Mi- michali- what, Claudio? Michelada? michelada. 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 That's what we're gonna go have. All How right. about just some tequila, Brian? That sounds good too. We'll do a couple <laughs> shots. Enjoy the show. Okay, we'll talk to thanks. you in a little bit. That's Karen Conti. She comes your way on the other side of the news. Thank you for listening and being part of the program. We will talk to you again next week. Oh, this is exciting! During the Brian Noonan Show next week. Here we'll keep you updated on this. First two hours of the Brian Noonan Show is actually is actually uh, White Sox Weekly. So I. Will be I will be co-hosting White Sox Weekly with Mark Carmen, and then I will do it in an hour of the Brian Nooner Show. So it's it's going to be a fun Sunday. Make sure you are are here. All right. Uh, the Steve Cochran Show celebrates the most valuable person on the planet. Weekday mornings at seven twenty on seven twenty WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users just say play WGN Radio on tune in. The news is sponsored by Lindemann Chimney and Fireplace. Seven o'clock with the news. Roger Badish.